For partners, I would say take ownership and control your own destiny. You have all the resources available to you. You need to navigate these resources and programs. But、uh, having been in smaller companies, I believe in entrepreneurship, and I believe you. If you clarify your goals and you take ownership and control your own destiny and leverage your own experience, your own best practices, and differentiate through the Microsoft ecosystem, you will build a, an amazing business. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Mincione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now, your host, Vince Mincione. Welcome to, or welcome back to, the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Where technology leaders come to optimize results through successful partnering. I'm Vince Menzione, your host, and my mission is to help leaders like you unlock the leadership principles and learnings of the best in the business to get partnerships right, optimize for success, and deliver your greatest results. How Microsoft's Chief Marketing Officer for Business Applications is helping Dynamics and Power Platform partners achieve their greatest results. I was delighted to welcome Emily He, Microsoft's Corporate Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for the vibrant Dynamics community and platform. Her organization works across engineering, customers, and partners to catalyze growth for Microsoft's Dynamics and Power platforms. Emily is an amazing leader with a fascinating story. She grew up in Beijing and came to the United States as a 20-year-old college student. Her journey, business advice for partners, and inspiration for earlier in career professionals makes this an outstanding listen. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed welcoming Emily He. Before we dive into the interview, I'm happy to announce that PartnerTap has become a founding sponsor of Ultimate Guide to Partnering. PartnerTap is the only partner ecosystem platform designed for the enterprise. Their technology makes it easy to align channel teams with automated account mapping, letting you control what data you share while building a partner revenue engine. Emily, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. I am so excited to finally welcome you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You have an amazing role, and you've been around this technology sector that we all care about for quite some time. So I'm so excited to welcome you here today. I'm excited to be here. So let's dive in. You are Microsoft's corporate vice president and chief marketing officer for the business applications unit. This is a massive role, and I was hoping we might begin with you sharing for our listeners your mission and responsibilities with this organization. I was relatively new to Microsoft. I joined in September last year. And it's been a very exciting journey to come into Microsoft. I'm the head of marketing for business applications, and currently, business application defined as the combination of Dynamics and the Power Platform. It's a massive role with massive opportunities. And when I think about my roles and responsibilities, there are really three things that my team is accountable for. The first one is to establish a clear vision for business applications based on the market trends. Customer needs and Microsoft's differentiation. 
the first thing I noticed when I came to this company is business applications really represent an opportunity for us to establish relationships with the business decision makers. As the world is moving to the cloud, business decision makers, CFOs, CMOs, CROs, increasingly they play a key role in these IT projects. The second thing we do is we work very closely with our engineering counterpart and our sales team to create a customer-centric product and go-to-market strategy. We've been working with the engineering team to realign our product portfolio to each target line of business, whether it's sales, marketing, service, finance, supply chain, or IT low-code, no-code, and really use that as a container to tell the OLAP Microsoft cloud story spanning across modern work business applications and, and Azure, our infrastructure. Then once we establish this differentiated product portfolio for each line of business, our job is to support the execution of the go-to-market strategy through establishing thought leadership platform, product innovation and differentiation, telling customer stories, and also through uh, sales and partner enablement. Such a massive set of responsibilities. I want to be clear here. Establishing the relationship with business decision makers, Microsoft is getting deeper into the lines of business. You talked about this, creating a customer-centric realignment. You know, Microsoft has this huge opportunity. The decisions are being made further down the line of business. Microsoft has those relationships, and it has three clouds. So what are your thoughts there? I think Microsoft is in the right place at the right time to capitalize on what the business decision makers are looking for. Because historically, the market defined business applications as CRM systems and ERP systems and supply chain management systems, all of which are still very important. But in the last two years, because of the pandemic, people are working everywhere. A lot more people are working remotely. So as a consequence of that, people are spending a lot more time in their collaboration tools, having meetings with customers. And if you're a seller, you're spending probably spending 50% of your time in collaboration tools. I see an interesting opportunity to converge the user experience across productivity tools, collaboration tools, as well as business applications. While we talk to customers, what they're asking for is the ability to enter data wherever they are. For example, if they're having a meeting with a customer using Teams, they want to be able to access customer record from Dynamics 365. And they want to be able to enter data into Dynamics 365. And that ability to work with user experience across all our product footprint is something the customers are asking for. And it's also a huge opportunity. The other trend I see is business applications are transitioning from focusing on business process orchestration to focusing more on data. So it's all about ingesting data from different sources and have the system using AI and machine learning process the data, decipher insights and recommendations, but most importantly, deliver the recommendation to the point of action wherever the users are. This is something Microsoft is uniquely able to deliver because we own the data estate and we also can connect with our productivity and collaboration tools. How can we realign our product strategy to accrue to the strength Microsoft already has in modern work, which is in Azure? And how can we tell a more holistic story to each line of business, whether it's sales, marketing, service, finance, or supply chain? You've hit on some really important points here because I think about CRM solutions and I've used all of them in the past. You'd go into the CRM solution only when you needed to update the record. 
as opposed to I'm a modern worker, I'm operating in Outlook or whatever other platforms I'm using from a collaboration perspective. And I want that to be seamless. I don't want to have to pop in and pop out and have a siloed approach. And the other really important point you made, the data state and the fact that you have access to all of these amazing tools with Azure and you have access to all of that amazing capability built in, like collaboration across the platform. Exactly. And to the point of data, it's in addition to the elimination of manual data entry or you know enter, the ability to enter data wherever you are, the other thing that's happening is during the pandemic, people are spending all this time in their virtual meetings. They're spending all these time in their productivity tools. And as a result of that, there's a new source of customer engagement data, digital data being created as a result of these engagements. And this data, there's no way, for example, if I'm a seller, I would be manually entering all my emails or all my you know, virtual team meeting summary into my CRM system. But it's really important for us to capture that data. The ability to organize this data into a new source of customer record and have that automatically linked to the CRM system is really important. And I would say the same about ERP systems and supply chain systems. There's just too much data. So manual data entry no longer works. And we need to rethink our data infrastructure so our system of record can capture the most up-to-date customer information without manual data entry. And the other thing that I think is happening with in the business applications world is the trend towards local no-code. Now the business users want the ability to not just consume application, but also build new applications and automate processes. They want the ability to curate employee experience and customer experience without having to rely on IT. And this is something Microsoft is the leader in. Power Platform is the leading local no-code tool. And I think the this is a huge value proposition we can position to the line of business decision makers as well. As well. We didn't even dive in yet on Power Platform and the no-code, low-code approach. And you're right. There are some other companies that are coming on strong, but Microsoft is still a leader there. How do you differentiate your solution versus the others out there? From a Power Platform perspective, I think when I look at Microsoft, there are several categories, right? There's the low-code app development. There's also low-code. There's a low-code process automation, the RPA space. There's also website development and there's a Power BI or our business intelligence. Microsoft has the end-to-end low-code, no-code platform. And the other differentiation is we cater to uh, people of all skills levels. So developers are using the Power Platform to transform their businesses and so are the line of business users. So it's really a platform that can be used by anyone with any technical proficiency. And we believe this is a new skill set for new business users or business people. I equate Power uh, Platform with Office maybe 10, 20 years ago. 10 years from now, or even five years from now, I envision that this is a requisite skill on your resume. So in addition to being able to use Office, you also need to have local skills. So you start building your own applications where you can automate your, your, your business processes without having to rely on IT. It's the democratization of programming and IT and data, right? Yeah, exactly. The more and more things are being satisfied. I think that's what's happening. Initially, we started with applications, but now business users want more control over their dashboards, their business intelligence. They even want more control into 
uh, data management. So they're getting into data warehousing, they're getting into inside apps, and more and more things are blending the technical users and business users together. And I, I think that's a huge opportunity for Microsoft. Such a huge opportunity and such an exciting time. It's palatable to me. I've seen the investments. I was at Microsoft when Satya joined and has made this a key focus for the organization. And it's the beginning of, I call it Microsoft summer. I know this time of year, you're getting ready to kick off fiscal year 2023. What are your thoughts there? Like, how is your organization, where are you focusing for 2023? The focus for 2023 for us is very, very clear. It's all about category excellence. Instead of defining business applications as uh, the combination of Dynamics 365 and Power Platform, which is a very product-centric view, we want to take a more customer-centric view and focus on these key categories or line of business we're going after. And for us, the most important categories we're going after are sales, marketing, service, uh, supply chain, finance, and IT local no-code. With each category, when we say category excellence, it, it requires domain expertise and dedicated resources who are well-versed in each category because there's so much in each category and sales and marketing are completely different from supply chain. So we need to learn the language our customers are using to connect with them. We also need to deeply understand the market trends, their requirements, and the IT landscape so we can articulate how Microsoft fits in the in each category. And that's a huge endeavor for Microsoft. But we're starting to embark on that journey by organizing our engineering, marketing, and the sales team around each category. And this is an area where we really need to rely on our, our partners to extend our domain expertise and establish those relationships with the business decision makers. And of course, you have a tremendous industry focus at Microsoft, right? You've you know verticalized almost every industry now across healthcare, you know, public sector, I mean, I can go on and on, nonprofits and so on. How are you then taking these solution areas and localizing them by customer, by industry? That's a great question. And it's true that we're really, we're hugely focused on industries. I think industry clouds are a fantastic differentiation for Microsoft because it's a lens, industry specific lens that allows us to position the all of Microsoft story. Microsoft Cloud Story specifically. And I really see business applications as the underpinning of the industry cloud. So industry cloud leverages the existing applications that Microsoft already offers, and it builds vertical applications on top. And when I think of business application, when you sell to a customer in the industry, it's not like you're selling to the CEO. You're still selling to the CFO, you're selling to the CMO and CRO and head of supply chain. And it's our job in business applications to clearly articulate the value proposition we bring to the table for these different lines of businesses. And the industry team will apply an industry flavor to the value proposition. So when I think about how we work with the industry team, number one, we plug into the Microsoft cloud for each industry with the business application solution. So there's an overarching industry value proposition that's all-encompassing. But when we sell specific supply chain or contact center solutions, we also apply an industry flavor to make those horizontal uh, applications more resonate more with our target customers. You know, you mentioned my favorite word, partner. And, <laughs> you know, we're going we're gonna to dive in on the partner discussion. But 
you know, you have this incredible platform and you have a, I would call a community, a large ecosystem of partners that are really passionate about this solution area. How do you get more and more of them and maybe even bigger ones to build industry specific solutions? What would you say to our partners listening? For partners are incredibly important for both our industry cloud and the business applications ecosystem. In both industries and in our line of business world, I see Microsoft as the technology experts and I see our partners as the domain experts. We need partners to do a number of things, but most importantly, we need ISVs who can build on our platform and build their IP onto our Dynamics 365 and Power Platform and other solutions. And we need them to add their secret sauce to configure a better product that's more targeted for our customers, depending on their line of business. And this is really important for us because there's no way that we can offer all the solutions our customers need. So we need the ISVs to fill the gap and help us deliver a more comprehensive solution. The other one is the system integrators. So we need them to provide domain expertise and consultancies, and we need their practices to advise our customers on how they orchestrate their supply chain transformation. How do they orchestrate their digital contact center transformation and help us plug the Microsoft solution into the whole ecosystem of their IT landscape and also help our customer go through the journey of implementing the solution, whatever they're looking for. So these two groups of customers are incredibly important for Microsoft in our industry cloud and in business applications. This Microsoft Dynamics community, I referenced them a little bit earlier, right? I have gone to their events and it, it's amazing how collaborative and tight that community is. And I'm, I'm hoping you're going to get out there. We'll all be able to get out there in person now that we're hopefully beyond where we were with COVID. What do you think from a community perspective? How do you, how are you supporting this massive ecosystem? And what conferences would you suggest? that the Dynamics 365 partners and network and power platform partners, what conferences would you suggest they attend this year? <laughs> we have our Inspire conference coming up and that conference is dedicated to the partners. So I encourage all of you to come and attend Inspire. This is where Satya will lay out our vision and our key business leaders are going to talk about what trends we're seeing in the market and how we're delivering solutions to to address the trends. And we're also going to spend a lot of time talking about partner programs and how you can better partner with Microsoft and what we can do to make it easier for you to partner with Microsoft. In addition, I know my peer, Toby Bowers, who is in charge of the partner programs, he, I feel like every day he has a partner event. <laughs> and we're constantly talking to partners. And I've been in some of these partner meetings. And to be honest, it's my favorite meetings to attend because our partners are talking to customers every day and they're hands-on implementing our solutions. So their insights are always so rich and so on the ground and realistic. And they give us a lot of very valuable input on both our product functionality and how we can design our partner programs to be more friendly, to make it easier for our partners. So I would say definitely get, into, get in touch with Toby and make sure you are participating in these meetings where we hear directly from partners. And I know at the regional level, there are a lot of partner events as well. So I encourage you to get in touch with the regional sales team and be sure to attend the 
the regional um, events. Yeah, and we'll provide some links. I know there's some upcoming events here in the United States as well, and there's one in October in particular that we'll reference. And Toby's been a guest here. We love Toby, by the way. He's such a great colleague of yours, and he's been on the podcast, and we're going to have him back as well to talk more about this. But I do want to ask you specifically, you mentioned how much you love the meetings with partners. I ask all of my guests this one question. What do you believe makes a great partner? Well, just like anything, I think for any great partner organization, the first thing they do is they deeply understand our business strategy. And I know our business strategies are ever evolving, and I hope our partners can be part of the conversation of our, about our business strategy. But a good partner is an organization that really take the time to talk to business leaders and deeply understand our business strategy, how our organization is set up to execute the business strategy, what the goals and objectives are, so they can dial into the ecosystem to help us execute the business strategy. The second, any partner organization is a business, right? So we want your business to be successful. If you're successful, then we're successful. So managing your own business from the inside out and optimize your business for success, make sure you you are good stewards of your own business with the right oversight and also plug into all the relevant partner programs is incredibly important. Then the other thing, I know this is really overwhelming. I'm still new to Microsoft and I'm overwhelmed by all the programs, whether it's sales programs or partner programs, but it is important to stay on top of all the partner programs we're running. So you have the resources you need to be effective in the business. And I encourage all of you to go to our Microsoft Partner Network site where you can see the latest information about programs and incentives. It's so incredibly important for you to, if you want to run a healthy business. I love what you have to say here. First of all, get to know what the priorities are of the business, right? What are the goals, the strategy, and the scorecard? I always say it's very important to ask leaders what the scorecard is. And that's usually at an individual or regional subsidiary level. I'm so excited to welcome Athletic Greens as the latest sponsor to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Friends who know me well know I've made taking a green drink supplement part of my health ritual for over 20 years now, and it has made all the difference to my health and well-being. About five years ago, I added Athletic Greens, and now their product AG1 has become my go-to green drink supplement. I take this literally every single day. AG1 is packed with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens. It literally has replaced every vitamin in my cabinet. If you'd like to give AG1 a try, Athletic Greens is giving away a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with every new purchase. Check them out at athleticgreens.com forward slash Vince M. You also mentioned optimizing your own business, right? Partners have to mind their own store and be good stewards of their business. And then staying on top of the Microsoft and the partner programs. It's super important to stay engaged and align and understand what the resources, funding, go-to-market plans and strategies are working with the tech giant. It's uh, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> But it, it is, it's a people business. It's like anything. In my role, I do the same. I stay in touch with the different teams in the ecosystem because Microsoft is a very collaborative culture and we do everything together. But you have to lead through influence 
and lead through getting people's input, making sure they internalize the strategy, making them feel like it's their strategy, not your strategy. We're all in this together. And partners really need to spend the time getting to know the key stakeholders and build that relationship. Yeah. I coach organizations about this very same topic. Actually, there's a couple of topics you mentioned here. And one of them is deliberate communication. And I say being aggressive, but in a diplomatic way. You have to be out there. You have to make yourself known. You have to engage with the leaders. Microsoft is very, they care, but they're also very busy, right? You probably get 300 emails a day. So sometimes you have to stay on top of the relationship in order to make sure that it's collaborative. So on LinkedIn, we do a lot of work on LinkedIn. And I asked the community, I mentioned that you were coming today, and I asked for a couple of questions. And one I wanted to pass on was from a Dynamics partner, Susan Tomey, at Vina Solutions in Toronto. And she asked, what advice do you have for ISVs looking to leverage Dataverse to build industry-specific applications and solutions? And where do you start internally and what Microsoft resources are available to us? This is a fantastic question. Dataverse is a very important part of our data strategy. So I would say it's a combination of being focused on the industry-specific business outcomes for the customer and connecting your data to Dataverse and Synapse. And even better, making it read-write in our data models for the industries. ISVs are the experts in their industries. And once you have identified the right solutions, Connecting it to to Dataverse can help you build your interoperability. We're building the industry data model, and we're also uh, working to help enable connectivity. So a great place to start will be our Microsoft Learn, Learning Path for Industry Solutions. It's now released as a self-service for healthcare, financial services, retail, and they really go into detail on the scenarios relationship with Dataverse and data models. So I encourage you to take advantage of those resources and get really deep in Dataverse. And that's the industry clouds that we've referenced before on this podcast, right? Yeah, exactly. So we have another question from uh, James Sandoval from Measure Match in, I think it's in the UK that his company is based, but he was asking specifically about smaller consultancies. And I know there are probably tens of thousands of these smaller consultancies He's interested in learning how he could best capture revenue opportunities from Microsoft and if Microsoft has a need for professional services and do they do anything to allocate to customer or through the consultancies professional services business. Yeah, thank you for the question, James. And I'm so glad you're working with uh, Microsoft. First of all, I would say get your solution designation and specialization through the new Microsoft Cloud Partner Program. The Microsoft Cloud Partner will help you demonstrate your differentiation in a crowded market once you have the designation and specialization. And once you attain the solution partner designation, you'll become eligible to receive the new benefits package associated with that designation. With this, you'll be able to be recognized for your solution capabilities and uh, specialization that, that you represent. In addition, I would suggest that you create your unique offers that you can repeat with customers and list that on AppSource. In addition to AppSource, you can also partner with Microsoft indirect providers. This is one example of how developing your partner-to-partner partnership can really help you scale your offer into the SMB space. But SMB is one of our highest uh, growth space is a very is a very exciting space to get into so we need more partners like you 
to help us grow that business. Such good advice. And partner to partner is just so critical and important. I think a lot of organizations miss out on the opportunity that it's such a massive ecosystem. There's so many other partners that you can collaborate with in order to be successful. And Microsoft, I have to say the all the meetings I've been to is one of the most collaborative and friendly partner ecosystems. And partners really help each other instead of compete, competing with each other. So tap into the partner network is really important. Really great advice. Emily, I would love to pivot now. As you might know, I am fascinated with the career journey. And I've also been a big ally for diversity and technology. In fact, I was an early DEI lead while I was at Microsoft. And you've had a stellar career, an amazing career, a degree from one of the most prestigious schools in our nation. And you've had top roles in tech companies, Oracle, Siebel, I can go on and on. And now this corporate vice president role, Microsoft, which is a big deal. How did Emily get here? Was there a plan? Was there a pivot point? Tell us more about your career journey. Hearing you describe my career make it sound very intentional, but that is far from the truth. (laughs) My career journey has been like climbing a place structure. Sometimes you go sideways, sometimes you go up, sometimes you go down. And it's been a journey of discovery. I learned a lot through the journey. I've been in Silicon Valley for uh, more than 20 years. I've always been in the enterprise software space and I fall, fell into tech accidentally. I went to Stanford Business School and after that, I said, I, I don't want to leave the Bay Area. I love the weather. <laughs> I want to stay here and I need a reason to stay here. So that's how I embarked on my tech journey. And since then, I've been in uh, CRM, I've been in ERP, I've done supply chain for a couple of years, and I spend a lot of time in human capital management. So I definitely feel like I've dabbled my way into different domains within enterprise software. And the reason I came to Microsoft is because I think Microsoft is one of the very few vendors in the whole world who can address some of the trends we discussed before, which is the convert collaboration, productivity tools and business applications, and also taking a more data-centric view and AI machine learning driven view to orchestrate the user experience. The other thing I want to mention is I've worked in really big companies like Oracle and Microsoft, but I've also worked in medium-sized companies and uh, small companies. And I personally find that to be really useful because if you work in a small company, you, you have to do everything by yourself. So you cultivate this entrepreneurial spirit and this hands-on style. And if you can bring that to a big company and have this can-do attitude, but combine that with your ability to navigate the whole ecosystem, the matrix, that's a very powerful combination. Well, that empathy as well. And I've done both. I've worked in the tech giant. I've worked in startups and turnarounds. And if you've only worked in Microsoft or another tech giant, like you don't have that empathy for what it's like to be on the other side of the table, right? That's why when I talk to partners, I really do have a lot of empathy for them because I've been in those environments and I know how it feels to have to do everything yourself. And, you know, navigating all these different programs or resources can be very daunting. So I'm always very eager to, number one, empathize with our partners, but number two, also give them tangible help. 
as, as they build their business. Yes, absolutely. And so also you're an Asian American woman. You, in fact, you're fluent in Mandarin and English. I think that's amazing. I want to hear more about your upbringing and how did it shape your journey? And then I also want to talk to you about any adversity you might have had to overcome. Thank you for that question. It's a really important question. And I reflect on that a lot. So I grew up with really, really strict parents. To say my mom is a tiger mom is understatement. <laughs> she had a very clear vision of where my future would be. There's no deviation from that. I'm first generation. So I actually came to the U.S. when I was almost 20 years old. I grew up in Beijing and I went to college in Beijing. And this is when Tiananmen Square happened, so June 4th. And after that, the government is implemented this policy that says, if you graduate, you would have to stay in China for seven years. They were trying to stop the brain train. And this is when I decided to come to the U.S. And I came here without speaking a lot of English. And there's a lot of things to adjust to. But also just the whole cultural value is so different. <laughs> so I learned a lot of lessons along the way. But going back to the strict parenting, I think it really taught me a lesson how important it is to, uh, to have a unique approach when you manage people. Because <laughs> I remember on the receiving end of this, like, okay, this is my vision for you and you can't deviate. And I remember how it made me feel. And when I manage people today, I try not to do that. And I think it's so important to understand each person's strength and each person's, um, what they uniquely bring to the table and help them build on that and carve out their own path instead of imposing a pre-set path onto the employee. So that's the first lesson. The other thing is speaking two different languages really gave me a window into different way of thinking. And I realized language is, has an impact on the way you view the world. And speaking multiple languages taught me that there's not a single worldview. When I approach employees in the workplace, I always try to understand their point of view, given the context they came from. And I think that really helped me have more empathy, especially when you work with a you know, global workforce. And the one thing that I would say that that's positive coming out of my upbringing is work. Growing up in China, I had to work incredibly hard through all the schooling. And it's a really competitive environment. And even to this, this day, I still have the work ethic that I can leverage. Whatever challenge I'm tackling, and I know if I put my heart and mind into it, I can get something done. But the other thing that I want to mention here is I grew up with really, really strict parenting. And that's not something I want to replicate with my own children. So when I had my own children... I thought very deeply about the kind of parent I wanted. And I think a lot of times when you become parents, you kind of become your parent, even though you didn't like your parents when you grow up. And I had to make a conscious decision about the kind of parent I want to be. So I parent very, very differently from the way I grew up. And I hope I'm striking the right balance between giving them the resources to find their own path, but also giving them enough guidance so they stay on the right track. So I love our discussion today, Emily. And But there's one last question I love to ask each of our guests. If you're having a dinner party and you can host this amazing dinner party anywhere in the world that you'd like, I, you'll have to tell us where, but maybe I'll, I'll come along and bring a bottle of wine. In fact, we talked a little bit about wine before we started today. Who would you invite 
you're allowed to invite three guests to this amazing dinner party. Who would you invite to this amazing party and why? I think this such a this is such a fascinating question and I can think of three people. So the first person is Marcus Cerellus and the he's a Roman emperor and he's a stoic philosopher. I literally have his book Emperor's Handbook next to my pillow and I read it almost every day before I go to sleep. <laughs> and the reason for that is in today's crazy world where you have crazy schedules and constant crises and so many challenges, interesting challenges to solve, the most important thing is to have peace of mind and to have that time to reflect and not be become reactive, but rather always center, have a center to come back to. And I find his book to be fascinating because in his Emperor's Handbook, he writes about his day-to-day thoughts and it's really fascinating to see how an emperor as successful as he, as he is, how many kind of like petty thoughts he has and how he works through them and process them and then come back to this center of tranquility and this space where you feel centered and you can make decisions in the right way. I try to remind myself every day of the importance of that. And I think he is one of the best examples of having this stoic philosophy and always coming back to this place of tranquility. We're going to provide a link, by the way, to that book in our show notes, The Emperor's Handbook. Yes. <laughs> yes, please. The second person would be, this is probably not, not a surprise, but Oprah. I'm a big fan of Oprah because of her humanity, her vulnerability, and also the fact that she carved out a space for you know minority women. I just think that's so brave and so hard to do. She did that by being herself. And that's something I try to emulate. So I definitely look up to her and I would love to have an opportunity to talk to her. The third person, I guess I can actually invite this person to a dinner party for real, will be Satya. One of the key reasons I came to Microsoft is because of the cultural transformation. And I attribute a lot of that to Satya. When I look at Satya, I wish there are more CEOs like Satya who are uh, human, who really have the sense of humanity in addition to just having a strong, uh, growing business. And I see Satya every day leading the team to strike the balance between doing good for the world while building a strong business. And the way he elevates our mission to the level of humanity and societal impact, in addition to technology innovation, is something I just, I think it's so hard to do. But I think he's one of the best examples of CEOs who are doing that. So those are my three people. Three amazing guests, by the way. By the way, I'm a fan of Stoicism as well and Marcus Aurelius's work. I ha- I don't have Emperor's Handbook. I am going to get a copy now. Thank you. <laughs> yes, please. Yes. I, I, we'll have to compare notes on this. And Oprah, of course, is just an amazing person. I mean, her whole life story, if you know it, is just incredible. And then Satya, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of Satya. I've had Dr. Michael Gervais here a couple of times. Oh, I see. And Dr. Mike, there's a whole story. If you read hit refresh on page five. It talks about Michael coaching the leadership team at the time around the big, bold vision from and mission of Microsoft. And just that whole conversation about, and we've talked about it on the podcast, but just what Satya has done from a leadership point of view, I couldn't agree with you more. 
Microsoft, out of all the companies, now that I'm inside the company, I think we really try to strike the right, right balance. It's a very hard balance to strike when you want to do good for the world and you want to make people's life better, but you also want to build a healthy, strong business. And I don't think any company has the perfect answer, but I know Microsoft tries very hard. I want to thank you, Emily. This has been such an inspiring conversation today. But for our listeners, we have partners and early and career women in technology as listeners here. What words of advice would you share? Any parting words of advice on how to build for their success with you and your organization? For partners, I would say take ownership and control your own destiny. You have all the resources available to you. You need to navigate these resources and programs. But uh, having been in smaller companies, I believe in entrepreneurship. And I believe you. if you clarify your goals and you take ownership and control your own destiny and leverage your own experience, your own best practices, and differentiate through the Microsoft ecosystem, you will build a, an amazing business. For earlier career women, there are so many things I would say to earlier career women or to my 23-year-old self. But one of the best advice I think I've ever received is the five people you spend time with will define who you are. So choose your company wisely and spend time with people who uplift you. I always tell people, hang out with people who make you feel, feel bigger instead of smaller. And when I say they make you feel bigger, they see you as something that sometimes you can't even imagine yourself. And I've encountered these people in my career. They saw the potential in me before I could see it myself. And they pushed me to become bigger and take more responsibilities or define higher goals. And one nuance is these people are not necessarily the most positive people. Some people, they may be very positive, but they just, they cheer you on and they want you to maintain status quo. There are other people, they may be very tough, but the intention behind their toughness is they want you, they know you can do more, they know you can be bigger, and they push you to be bigger. So spend time with those people and they will define who you'll become. That's such amazing words of advice. I won't say anything more about it. I want to thank you, Emily. This has been a great interview. So I, I would say humbled to have you here today as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Thank you, Vince, for having me. And we will need to get together in person for that glass of wine. We will do that. We will do that for sure. Thank you, Emily. All right. Thank you. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzione on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by PartnerTap, the partner ecosystem platform most trusted by enterprise. Drive more revenue with your partners and learn more at partnertap.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.